Dave Holmes. Matt, hi. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing great. I'm literally doing nothing but uh, going on YouTube and watching Tammy Faye clips. What else would you do? Ever since having seen uh, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, you know, I was just at first it was just I wanted to see how good a job Jessica Chastain did, which is very now I'm just hooked. Now I'm just basically watching PTL every day um, like a retiree. And I love it. I love it. I'm born again. Um, it's uh, the it, it's incredible. Just watch as much Tammy Faye as you possibly can. That's a great wreck. That YouTube. is a There's great wreck. There's a lot out there for you. She was quietly, well, very loudly revolutionary. Right. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, she's a hero. Um, as is this week's mm -hmm. guest. We we just had such a fun chat with her. Before we get to that, I have a bit of a bone to pick with you. I am. Yeah, naturally a jealous person. It's something I work through in therapy. It's something that plagues my relationship. But, you know, I'm not afraid to admit it. And I, I have gathered that you have another podcast that I do, you know, yeah, and I, I know it's going to be good. But it, look, does it hurt a little bit? It does. But please, I'll work through it. Tell Matt, the people everything about. Well, it. first of all, first of all, I have like 13 other podcasts. <laughs> but, um, but I have a brand new show coming October 12th. To exactly right, uh, Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark's uh, kind of independent podcast label that they started after uh, my favorite murder exploded, um, and it is called Waiting for Impact, and it is, the, the subtitle is A Dave Holmes Passion Project, because it is a thing that I have been uh, obsessed about for 30 years, and I'm pretty sure I'm one of maybe 12 people on the planet who is as obsessed, um, but I'm, I am... Uh, I am researching and investigating the mystery of Sudden Impact, the uh, the boy band who was announced uh, in Boys to Men's Motown Philly video in 1991 and then never went on to do uh, anything. Um, it is a truly crazy story that involves so much more than I ever could have imagined. Um, we have... Uh, incredible guests who I don't want to spoil. Uh, it is 10 40-minute episodes, and it comes out on uh, October 12th. The trailer is out now. Subscribe. Why don't you? I am. Uh, uh, go to Apple Podcasts. Uh, go to Stitcher. Go to Spotify. Go to wherever you get your podcasts, and, uh, and subscribe. Listen to the trailer now. I'll be doing all of that, and my own jealousy aside, I am very excited to hear it. Okay. I know you have been... Thanks. So uh, yeah, having such a good time working on this and it's it really been fun to go on ride. You know, it's a lot of freaking work. Uh, a limited run investigative podcast. That's what. Oh, my God. It's there's so much involved. It's crazy. It was a second book. Basically. It's a little d different operation um, than it, just uh, starting to record and asking people what shows they're watching, yeah. which is what we do. Yeah. What are you watching yeah. on TV? Uh, which is also, you know, I mean, listen. That takes a lot of work yes. and a lot of study. Uh, but this was this was just on a different level. Um, and it just, it, the story touches on everything that I am fascinated by as a human being. And I'm just so psyched to have it out in the world. Well, so please subscribe. We will all be doing that. Homophiliacs, get at it. Rad. Thank you so much. Um, what's happening with you? You know, just living my truth. Um, basking in the afterglow of this, this interview we just recorded. This week's guest yeah. is uh, it's a good one. is a friend, and she's a good friend of Michael's because they wrote together on Riverdale. And she's also mm -hmm. a and she and she's now writing on the new show, The Big Leap. And she's also a novelist. Yeah. She's got a book called Like Other Girls. That we talk a lot about in the interview. Everybody should pick up a copy. Mm -hmm. She's so awesome. Her name is Britta Lundin, and she is here. Britta, good morning. How are you? So good to see you. Good morning. It's so good to be here. I feel like I'm with old friends. Oh, you are yeah. old and new. Where are I'm you? In, I'm in East Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, excellent. Very close to where we are. Yeah. I know. Well, maybe what if a fire truck went by in my audio and then it passed through your guys' audio? Right. What if there was a high speed police chase that went past all of our homes? That would be thrilling. We would have to stop recording to turn Absolutely. on the TV. Absolutely. For those who are not in Los Angeles, when there is a high-speed police chase, everything does tend to stop. If it's a good one, Twitter goes crazy. Everybody runs to their to their oh, TVs yeah. or laptops. I have a good friend who is now a producer at CBS LA, and the best part about that is he knows about the pursuits before they go on TV. So I get the scoop. 
Wow. It's and so he good. he probably knows about all of the police chases that aren't quite good enough. Yeah. Like, should we go? Should we cut into uh, Ellen for this police chase? No, no, it's not. It's, it's not, not there. Right. Yeah. This person's not crazy enough. They're getting away a lot lately, Britta. Are they? They are. Wow. Never saw it in my life. The last three I've seen, the person got away. Wow. That's very rare. Yeah. They almost always get caught. Yeah. I'm telling you. I mean. Good for them. I'm rooting for them most sure. of the time. Britta, what is a day in the life for you right now? Oh, well, you know, my day wakes up uh, with a with a baby. I got a one-year-old baby. So that that is, you know, really what keeps the ennui at bay these days is, you know, you got to wake up and you got to get the milk ready and the food ready uh, to keep another human alive. Cause, sure. You know. What's the normal wake up time these days? Like, what was it? Today? Oh, well, today it was 615, but it really can vary anywhere between like, like a time you really don't want to be awake, like 430 to like seven. He's very, a uh, uh, variable, you know, I wish that he just had yeah. an alarm clock and stuck with it. But you know, he's on his own time. Do you fully alternate who gets up in the middle of the night or what's the yeah, system? With my wife, um, you know, when we first, we, we adopted this baby. Um, and so neither of us was, was breastfeeding him. So we, when we first brought him home, uh, we did a little thing where I would stay up until three in the morning and then I would wake my wife up and she would, she would take the 3am to like 9am shift which worked really well. And she just slept the whole time. But I was always like, what's on HBO at like two in the morning? I haven't done that since I was like 22. <laughs> it was a, I was oh, like wow. answering emails. I was like, I know it's three in the morning, but I haven't responded to you in three months. And you probably want to hear this email anyway. It was a very productive time for me those first three months. Oh, I love it. What? Yeah, you're suddenly partying again. What did you, uh, what did you get to see late night on HBO? Oh, gosh. What's that Matt Damon movie where he plays poker? That mm. one, that was a thrill of Rounders. Rounders. Thrill yeah, that one. Um, Perfect 3 a.m. HBO movie. <laughs> totally, totally. Some astronaut movies. I watched Absolutely. Apollo 13. That one, whew, Tom Hanks, you get worried for him. Of course. We're always yeah. worried for Tom Hanks. <laughs> of course. So glad he recovered from COVID. Oh my God, yeah. Yes. What are you watching these days? Oh, well, these days, well, I'm watching a show. I feel like not enough people watch. Um, it's got it's a, a female-driven show. It's got a majority black cast. It's got a majority queer cast, um, and every episode is a thrill ride. Guys, it's the WNBA. Oh yeah! Oh. Great. Hell, let's get into it. Sell, sell uh, uh, people who are not watching the WNBA. Please sell us on. This. Well, I mean, for me, the 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 thrill is that these women are like six foot five and could absolutely destroy me. Yeah. And I, you know, I get excited watching that. Um, they're all hot. They're all gay, and they're all extremely good at the sport of basketball. I think that there's something that happens um, when you're when you're not like a like a straight dude um, around sports that you maybe feel like sports isn't for you. Like, yeah. I think I felt that for a long time. I grew up watching a lot of sports in my household. And then when I kind of like left my home, um, I like never watched sports anymore. Like I grew up around football and baseball and basketball. And then I just never turned it on. Like once that I was an adult, but I think that that part of that is just like sports culture is so alienating, but WNBA culture is not, alienating it's incredibly mm. inclusive um and it's just a completely different beast than like traditional male sports culture um so and to go to a game is like one of the coolest things because there's so many queer people there and there's a lot of families and there's a lot of like teen and tween girls and like you know little seven-year-old girls with signs for their favorite player and stuff like that it's like very heartwarming and it's, tickets are kind of cheap which um you know, is a good thing and a bad thing. Like you want them to be yeah. expensive and like sell out every night, but they don't, but that means it's really easy to go to a game. Right. Can you talk us through some of the storylines this season? Oh yeah. Well, this is a great season because it's in its 25th season. So, you know, it's right up there with like law and order. Yeah. Uh, in terms of longevity. Right. Um, uh, if you're local to Los Angeles, you'd be, you'd be, might be interested in the sparks, but really 
the team to watch this year is the Connecticut Sun. Uh, the kind of are, are just demolishing and heading straight for the playoffs. The playoffs are coming up. Um, if you want to um, pick a team or a player, you can pick based on what city you live in. Mm-hmm. You can pick based on, I saw this player and she's super hot. Or I saw this player and she looks like she could she could like destroy me yeah. um, if that's something that gets you excited and just root for that player. If you're not a basketball person, um, you can always uh, just find one player to focus on and just watch them go up and down the court and just well, it's you know it's a great symphony watching a, a, a sport play out. But you don't have to follow the entire symphony. You can just follow one player. Um, there's a lot of ways to watch the game and a lot of ways to appreciate the game. You can also just follow your favorite player on Instagram because they're all so fashionable and, and have great style. Um, so I, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for the sport. And I think that there's a lot of gatekeeping around sports of like who can watch and what the best ways to watch and what you have to know and like all the stats you have to know and all that bullshit. But you know, you really don't need to do any of that. You can just enjoy the fashion and the personalities if that's what appeals to you. Yeah. Who do you, who do you follow? Who do you follow up and down the court? Well, I, I like, I, I'm, you know, I'm from the Pacific Northwest, so I watch the uh, Seattle Storm a lot. They have Sue Bird frequently. If, so if you're just like a person of pop culture, you might know Sue Bird, who's engaged to Megan Rapino. Megan Rapino shows up to a lot of the games. Um, they're great. They also have a player named Brianna Stewart, who with her wife, they just had a baby um, and she's out there. I'm like, you just had a baby. Like, I think the day after the U.S. women won gold at the Olympics, Brianna Stewart flew back to America. Her wife had a baby. And then like a week later, she was playing another game. And then like the next week she was at the White House meeting Joe Biden. I was like, you are a busy lady. They're, they're a great team, though. And they're definitely going to the finals. So you, you can definitely check out the Seattle Storm. OK. Was it the WNBA that a couple years ago there some some photos went uh, vi- there was some sort of online outrage because people were comparing photos of like a men's team gym to the women's oh, team yeah. gym? Do you know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, that was the yeah. college women's NCAA playoffs. Oh, oh, got it. And that was I think last year because yeah the the men you know the, the March Madness and the Final Four. Um, they they all the all the men like went to one location to play all their games and they had like this massive gym and um and the the food that they were getting were this like beautifully catered meals and then like you like cut over to the women's side of the exact same tournament uh and they have like they had like one little weight rack for like you know hundreds of women who are like uh elite athletes you know the best athletes in the country you know one little weight rack and like one of those big yoga balls or something like that it was like a mess oh and their food looked horrible i was like i don't know how you guys you guys must burn ten thousand calories a day and you're doing it eating that this is like a nightmare and hopefully that has improved hopefully the negative attention did something it yeah. did like that went viral and yeah, they fixed it. If they fixed it, but it's just like you know, you for something to get fixed like that, it has to go viral. The inequality, if you focus on it too much, it it gets depressing, and it gets it, it's incredibly depressing. The differences between the NBA and the WNBA. So I I like to celebrate the WNBA rather than focus on all those all those guys making incredibly rich contracts. Sure, celebrate the underdog. But that is the best thing that, and that's the best thing you can do if you want to, uh, you know, help or help do your part to erase that inequality. Right? Is to do what you're doing, which is watch them, celebrate them, put the put the focus on them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the, I I was just a. Uh in Chicago for a little while for work. And I went into a sports bar there and I had them put on a Chicago sky game. This was a sports bar. It was empty. Cause it was like the afternoon and they had maybe 30 TVs going with all of these different sports. And I was looking around and none of them were playing their local basketball team, which was playing a game right then and there. And so I like had them put it on and a, a guy, there's like four people in this entire bar. It was a big bar, but the guy near nearest me says something. What did he say? He was like, Oh, would you run out of sports or something like because they were playing women's basketball <laughs> just turned around and I was like, I'm watching this, I, you know, I, the 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 attitude that men have around women's sports is just it's it's so much posturing and, um, 
you know, it's it's so frustrating. But anyway, the, it had a happy ending because the guy clearly just kind of wanted attention. And he was like, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, you're watching this. Oh, I don't know. Is it any good? Uh, what's the team like? I don't know. And then I, I was like, yeah, there's Chicago Sky. You should check them out. They play over there at Wintrust Arena. He was like, oh, I live by Wintrust Arena. I was like, yeah, well, you should go. There you go. And then he was like, you're doing your part. Googling them and like, well, maybe I'll have to go. I was like, yeah, maybe you will. Okay, bye. Yeah. Um, spreading the good word, you know, one asshole at a time. I love it. What's the what's the live experience like? Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing because it's so it's. I mean, it's a sports game. So the the best part about it is there's stakes. There's something on the line. There's the inherent drama of sports. Like there's a reason sports are so universal. Is because there's a winner and a loser, and you want your people to win. Um, but you're, it's thrilling because you're right there and you can like, you know, you kind of forget how tall these women are when you're seeing them on TV, but you, when you're in the stadium, you cannot forget they are so tall. It's just for me, thrilling. I mean, I'm, I'm six foot tall. So I often think of myself as like a tall woman, but I wouldn't even be close to what these, like if I, they would be towering over me. Um, I haven't yet seen a dunk in person, but I would really like to, I, I, there's a few women in the WNBA who can dunk and it. it, I like excitedly retweet the videos every time I see them. I love that shit. Well, this is a perfect segue into talking about your book, like other girls. Um, because, you know, it's a, a coming of age story about a girl who joins a football team, inspires other girls in her school to join the football team. It gets tricky because some of them aren't necessarily great players at first. One of us is her crush. One's a nemesis. Um, so I want to get into the book. But first, I'd love to just know when you were in high school, what your you, you you said that you know sports was always sort of in your household, but what did did you play anything or what was who were yeah. you in the sports realm? Yeah, I played um, softball and basketball pretty much my whole childhood, um, and then I played a little bit of football as well. I played in in the town where I grew up. Uh, that they had flag football for two years, and then after those two years, you were expected to graduate to tackle football. And this was like I think fifth or sixth grade, something like that. And I remember really loving flag football and um, I, I, you know, I watched football at home. I really liked the sport. I was kind of like, uh, like a, a guy's girl, like a tough girl, like a tomboy, AKA I was gay, you know, but we didn't like say that. Um, and, uh, and I really wanted to play football and I really considered playing tackle football, but I just remember like talking to my friends about it who were girls and they just, they didn't get it. They're like, we don't really know why you're doing that. And the other guys on the team, it's not that they were like harassing me or anything like that, but they just were not friendly. They didn't, they didn't really talk to me. They certainly didn't want to pass me the ball. Um, it was just like a coldness there. And, and I just sort of realized the only person who wanted me to play football was me. And that's like uh, an incredibly lonely feeling. Uh, it makes you feel like a weirdo, like, um, and it's not the only time in my youth that I felt like a weirdo. I think that anytime, I think probably a lot of queer people who grew up in rural areas or small towns maybe felt that isolating feeling a lot, but I ended up not pursuing football. Um, and uh, clearly I never stopped thinking about it because here we are like 15 years later right. <laughs> in a book about what it might've been like. Yeah. So is that was that your jumping off point was was kind of asking yourself, like, what would have been like if I had, you know? Yeah, I it? mean, the, uh, partially and also partially being aware of the fact that um, there's so many more girls playing football now than there were when I was in middle school. Um, like the numbers are astronomical at the same time that the rates of boys playing football is on the decline because there's a lot of very legitimate safety concerns about kids of any gender playing football. It's um can be a dangerous sport. So um, I didn't want to write a book about a. It's like, oh, a girl joins a football team. Isn't that crazy? Like, th it's just, the, that's just not how it is anymore. Like, there's so many girls playing football. So so the, the conceit of this book is, there's a girl joins a football team. Um, she's pretty good at football. And you, it's this thing where if there's just one of you, um, like just one woman in an all-male space, and you're kind of broish, like you can kind of hang, you know, like this has been my experience a lot. Like, you know, I, 
if I'm in an all male space, you know, I can crack open a beer and, and we could talk about sports, for example, or we could talk about movies or whatever. We could talk about women. We talk about a lot of different things and we can kind of throw out. But if I'm with a bunch of guys and all of their wives, then um, it's really unclear, like what my place is. It becomes a much more gendered place you know like the women will tend to clump together and the men will tend to clump together and i'm like well i I don't know where i'm supposed to go or if i hang out with you i feel weird and if i hang out with you it's a little weird so so the book is about a a girl who joins the football team and she's pretty good at football but um and she's kind of accepted she can kind of bro out a little bit and then four more girls are are sort of inspired by what they see as this like feminist statement that she's making and they also join the football team and they maybe are not as good at football as her they are a little bit more outspoken a little bit more um upfront about the fact that they're just doing this to like um sort of make a statement about women playing football and and mara who's the main character is like oh i i am not one of them like i am not your leader don't lump me in with one of those i'm one of the guys not one of the girls you know she has a little internalized misogyny maybe to get over about what it means to be a girl and and what it means to be you know not like other girls so um that's basically what the book is about if you're into sports then sure it's a football book but if you're not into sports then really it's just a book about gender politics uh-huh. is it set now yeah and- it's set now in a in a small town in Oregon and so it in some ways it might feel like it's set 15 years ago because sure. that's what it feels like to walk into a small town uh-huh Uh Uh-huh. I know it well. Is it difficult to write uh, teenagers now? Yeah, it it, is. Yeah, because you're always thinking back to when you were a teenager and things are so different now. You know, they all have phones and and teenagers today know a lot more than we did when we were teenagers because they have access to the entire Internet. And when I was a teenager, I spent all of my time like reading X-Files fan fiction. Like I wasn't, I wasn't educating myself about like gender politics or like, you know, sexual identity politics or anything like that on the internet. I was just like, make Mulder kiss her again. You know, that's what I was doing. We have to circle back to the, to the fan fiction uh, for sure. But, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting that like you have spent a lot of time in, as an adult in the young adult space, like writing on Riverdale and, and, and your books. And, you know, and I know to a certain extent as a writer, it's like you take whatever job comes your way, but why do you think you have gravitated to young adult or wh- what do you, what have you sort of learned about spending so much time? Yeah. There? That's a good question. This is this, um, <laughs> starting to feel like therapy guys jeez <laughs> um i that's my goal i think um it's interesting because i think that partially you know when i first especially when i first got on riverdale one of the things i had to offer was i was extremely online and um i understood like um the like online youth culture which is different than other types of youth culture but um, that was something I, I knew, like I knew what Snapchat was and how to use it. And, um, and I knew what like Stan culture was and stuff like that. Um, and so, so that could be really helpful when you're writing like snappy YA dialogue. Um, but, but the other thing is that there's been a YA boom recently. And so I think when I first arrived in Hollywood, I, I was talking about like writing coming of age stories and there wasn't a big appetite for it. And then something happened um, maybe around five or six years ago. And maybe it was to all the boys I loved before, or maybe it was, um, you know, the John Green books to movie pipeline or, or something happened and it transformed this town. And now um, there's a huge appetite for young adult stories. And, and there's something in our culture. And so I guess what I'm saying, Matt, is it's not me. It's it's our popular culture right now is fixated on young adult stories. Have you guys noticed that? Yes. Yes, very much so. I'm right there with I mean, I'm part of that. Yeah, but it but it also feels like it's such it, it's there's so many banana peels to step on. You know what I mean? Like it's culture changes from like month to month, from week to week, you know, and you yeah. can make a reference 
that is three months old and be woefully out of date. I, oh, I just yeah. like that terrifies me. A period oh, YA yeah. thing, I feel like, okay, I understand how that could be done. But to try to like write a 15 year old in 2021, I would be terrified. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you like give them one actor crush and then like the day before your movie or book comes out, like that, that guy gets accused of something and you're like, yeah. oh man. Yeah. <laughs> too late to rewrite. Yeah. Yeah. It's too late to find and replace all the army hammers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But today's YA is such a different landscape than it was when the, you know, the, the YA that I grew oh, yeah. up on, it's, it is, looks very different from 90210 in a great way. Like we've made these great strides toward being more inclusive and, and queer representation. But is there, is there a YA show you still want to see that you haven't gotten to see, or is there still, is there a, um, kind of like a missing piece for you? Yeah. I mean, I think there's always, there's always more YA. I think there's something about being, you know, a gay person who in some ways my, my coming of age was delayed because I didn't come out until I was in college. And I think that that's probably the case for a lot of people of my generation and, and, and maybe the younger generation, depending on where they live or who their parents were or what sort of subculture they grew up in. Um, so there's something very appealing about queer YA stories where the character you're, you can sort of relitigate your own coming of age because, um, cause maybe you didn't have it or, or maybe it, it was delayed or it was disrupted because, you know, the culture wasn't ready for, for us to come of age when we did, you know? And, and for me, that was in the nineties in a small town in Oregon. Um, and, you know, gay issues were like at the forefront of the culture, you know, Ellen was coming out and, um, you know, Will and Grace was on TV. Um, but that's a very different story than like that girl you, who sits next to you in U S history, um, has a crush on you, you know, that's, that's very different. So, so for me, there is an appeal in like telling these stories about out queer kids who are like accepted and everything's cool or about kids like in like other girls, it's a little more complicated than that, but, but, you know, you're sort of working through some of this stuff. And, and I think that a lot of the issues that I struggled with, you know, it's different for kids today because they have the internet and they have social media, but in some ways for, you know, the same, this, it's the same old cis hetero patriarchy that affects these kids that affected me, you know, and I think that may be why a lot of queer people, even as adults, read YA is they're trying to recapture, you know, a, a teenage years that maybe they had to suppress or didn't get to fully experience. Yeah. If you are listening to this, that means you have excellent taste in podcasts and it means you will love Add to Cart. Add to Cart from Lemonada Media is a fun series that explores modern day consumerism. It's hosted by comedian Kulap Vilaisak, who happens to be one of my best friends, and journalist and icon Suchin Pak, who technically I've never met, but I feel like she's one of my best friends, as they unleash their unbiased opinions on products, fads, celebs, philosophies, anything else on their mind. Add to Cart is all about the things we buy and the things we buy into. Like, does kombucha have staying power? Are we over TikTok yet? Is that cult we learned about on a true crime podcast maybe possibly our higher calling? For me, the answer is yes. By the way, I think Dave Holmes and I are going to be on Add to Cart sometime soon, so stay tuned for that. If you have spent time board shopping and have occasionally asked yourself, why did I just buy that or who have I become? Add to Cart is the show for you. Add to Cart from Lemonada Media has episodes dropping each Tuesday. Subscribe to Add to Cart on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, listen, it's a new world, kind of. And we can get out there, sort of, and travel a little, take vacations safely, go to concerts, sort of, go to dance parties a little bit. We can create new memories. A good way to hold on to these new memories is by turning them into art that lasts forever from paintyourlife.com. Here's how it works. You get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price, or you can combine photos of people or places that you love into one painting. Do like a, 
a melange, a Photoshop kind of, except an actual artist does it with a paintbrush and stuff. Choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is just right. It's a user-friendly platform, makes it easy to order a custom-made hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes, and you can get that portrait in as little as two weeks. It's meaningful, it's personal. It is a thing of beauty that can be cherished forever. And we have a special offer for homophilia listeners. That's right, at paintyourlife.com. There is no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded. That's guaranteed. Our limited time offer is this, 20% off of your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word homophilia to 64,000. That is homophilia to 64,000. Text homophilia to 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Those terms are available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text homophilia to 64,000. Earlier in the pandemic, I thought I was a mixologist. I was making these fancy craft cocktails at home. That has gone the way of the sourdough starter. Now I just want something dependably great tasting to drink. I want something uncomplicated, something like Miller Lite. And since 1975, Miller Lite has been the beer with taste you can depend on. No games, no gimmicks. It's just a great beer for people who like things that taste good. People like me, people like you, people like your friends. Maybe you're hanging out in person. Maybe you're hanging out over Zoom. Either way, you can count on Miller Lite to bring you together for Miller time. Miller Lite, great taste, 96 calories. Go to MillerLite.com forward slash homophilia to find delivery options near you. Or you can pick up Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. All right, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to get real. My relationship with skincare products is a dysfunctional one. I don't know what they do. I'm always trying to fix my face in some way, and that leads me to the drugstore or the fancy lotion counter or Sephora or whatever, and I grab something that I've heard the name on TV or something, and I use it twice, and then nothing happens. This is psychotic. However, doesn't need to be because now apostrophe is in my life. The best way to treat your skin is with fewer products, but ones that are clinically proven and customized to your skin. Apostrophe does that. They're a prescription skincare company that offers science-based oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear up your skin get rid of those fine lines and whatnot. Apostrophe will connect you with a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin and its needs. You just fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your goals, your medical history, you snap a couple selfies. The dermatologist goes over all that stuff. Yes, I did just say dermatologist. It's not the words. Dermatologist. See, I'm learning. Apostrophe treats acne. They can also help you hit your other skincare goals like reducing redness or wrinkles or dark spots. I'm, uh, you know, not a young man anymore, so we gotta gotta work on those little lines and wrinkles. Hey, guess what? We have a special deal for our audience. Save $15 off of your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash homophilia. When you use our code HOMOPHILIA, this code is only available to our listeners, and they will check. There will be a quiz. There won't be a quiz. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash homophilia. Click begin visit. Use our code HOMOPHILIA at sign up. You get 15 bucks off your dermatology visit. That is A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash homophilia. Use that code, HOMOPHILIA, to get your dermatology visit and save $15. And apostrophe, we thank you for sponsoring this podcast and for all you have done for my face. What were the teen movies of your teen years? Oh God, there was like, can't hardly wait. Okay. Um, uh, 10 things I hate about you. That one was actually okay. Sure. You know, Heath Ledger dancing on those bleachers was like, did, did I, did I want to be him? I don't Mm -hmm. think I want to kiss him, but maybe I do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Julia Styles. Oh yeah. 
and 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 like the band playing on the on the rooftop at the end of that movie inexplicably mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. justification for it just mm-hmm. like a helicopter shot pulling away why not and you know, you're just gonna go with it because you're having fun yeah did you connect to any of the characters in the movies of your youth were you ever like ah there i am um um <laughs> no no <laughs> No. I don't know. I feel like um, I I feel like I was always searching for like you know the queer subtext in those movies, and it was never quite there. I think that probably the queerest character is is Cat in um, Ten Things I Hate About You, Julia Stiles, because she like doesn't she want to go to Sarah Lawrence? She's like trying to get into Sarah Lawrence. Yeah, she's like doesn't want to date boys. She like is a feminist, like outspoken feminist, and and like listens to um like riot girl music i was like this girl's a lesbian and you're trying to make her date heath ledger for the entire movie and she kind of goes along with it and then i guess she falls in love with him but i i guess i relate to that (laughs) yeah but i'd like to believe she then went to sarah lawrence and you know figured out that she and heath ledger were better as friends oh yeah yeah and you know they still kept in touch years later of course Uh, we got to circle back to your um Yes, yes, we probably should. Can do you that. tell us a little bit more about that chapter? Yeah. Um, well, it, it was the early days of the internet, and you still had to dial up. And your brother was telling you you only have thirty minutes, and then he's going to get on and play World—not World of Warcraft, some weird video game that he plays, um, like a precursor to World of Warcraft. Um, and, uh, and so you navigate to the X-Files fan forum and you search for a a story that you haven't read yet and you stumble upon one and it's got sex in it and it opens your mind to a whole new world. Okay. (laughs) And then maybe later, a few weeks later, you stumble upon one that's, uh, that's not Mulder and Scully, which is what you've been looking for. It's Mulder and Krychek. And you didn't even realize that you could write fan fiction about two characters who weren't going to ever get together on the show. You know, Krychek is another male agent on the show. So it's gay fan fiction or Mulder and um, A.D. Skinner, for example. Mm. I read a lot of weird fan fiction back then because it was, it was the wild West. It was the frontier of the internet and there were no rules and it felt like anything was possible. And also the X-Files, you know, it was pre-Netflix. The X-Files was only on, one hour a week and those weeks were long yeah. as like a unhappy closeted teenager in a small town yeah <laughs> they were long weeks you know and i would wake up on sunday mornings and be like the x-files is on tonight i can make it through one more day because i know it's on tonight but what do you do those other six days of the week you get on the internet yeah. you write fanfic there yeah. you go i would um i mean pre-internet write uh on my mom's electronic typewriter sweet valley high fanfic wow uh, sweet valley high horror was my area uh i wish i could find those books um but this also brings us to ship it your previous book because fanfic uh, plays such a big role in this and it's kind of a love letter to people who are unapologetic fans the people who attend the panels you know um go to the cons and your own experience obviously plays into this, but there's also a true story that I didn't know that uh, that is, I think, a partial inspiration for this. Could you tell that story? Well, uh, I'm, I, there's a lot of there's a lot about the book that's that's inspired by true events and and personal experiences. So I'm trying to figure out exactly oh, what you're talking about. I, I'm talking specifically. Okay, so there is. Um, uh, it's a sort of inciting incident where a character meets an actor from her favorite show. It, is, it implies that his character is gay. Yeah. This interaction goes viral. And something like that happened in real life that I was not aware of until I was researching it through yeah. your book. So, so yeah, Ship It's About a, a girl who writes a lot of gay fan fiction, and um, she ends up winning a contest to go on like a Comic-Con tour with the cast and showrunner of her favorite TV show, which is a fictional like um, genre TV show that might air on something like the CW. Um, 
Uh, and then she uses that opportunity to try to convince the cast and the showrunner that they should make her ship canon and like actually make the the pairing gay on the show as it is in her fan fiction as it should be um and she makes a very convincing case for this um in ways that are both appropriate and inappropriate (laughs) and uh um you know there are a lot of it's funny because i wrote this book and um and i did look at a lot of real world specific events um including one involving the supernatural fandom and and um fans asking um you know, Jensen Ackles and Misha Collins, who play two male characters on the show, um, sort of like increasingly pointed questions about their character's relationship on the show. And and those questions starting to get suppressed at conventions. Um, and there were, you know, there was one or two instances of, of, of the actors having negative reactions to, to the implication that their characters might be gay. Now that show ran for 15 years, and those those actors came a long way between between when that notion was first brought up and by the time the show ended by the time the show ended the 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 character that Misha Collins played was canonically in love with Dean Winchester and and in 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 a way that ship actually did go canon um but that's partially because that show just it had the legs and they finally went there was very um surprising but this is far from the only show that this happened to i mean i think it's probably happened to 10 or 15 shows you know most recently falcon and and winter soldier had a little kerfluffle about this Uh, i think you know teen wolf supergirl you know just about every genre show with the popular queership sherlock you know this it happens over and over and over again and it's funny when the book came out people would hop in my Twitter mentions and be like, thank you so much for writing a book that sees our fandom. That's so clearly about our fandom. And then name a fandom that I'd literally never heard of before. And I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) I didn't mean for this to be about you. And I'm so sorry you're dealing with this, but it seems to be something that's kind of universal, you know? So queer fans read something into a show and now in this, in, because we have the internet and, and these conventions, they can actually, you know, express that to the creators of the show. And then the creators may or may not have a positive reaction to that. It's a, it's a mess. You know, it, in the, when I was um, shipping things in the 90s, I had no way to tweet at, you know, David Duchovny that I thought his character should end up with, with Agent Krychek. You know, there was no way for me to reach him with that vital information. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a bubble. And now our bubbles have been smashed together and, and it's just, it's a mess in a way that's both exciting and creative and, and, and can push our, our culture forward and also a way where people get upset and, you know, say the wrong things and um, step in it all the time. Who's in your so all-time- So it's right for drama. Yeah. Who's in your all-time ship hall of fame? <clears throat> Who have oh, you personally geez. shipped through the years? Well, in the early days, I mean, my first ship was Mulder and Scully. Sure. And then I, that was that was before I realized you could ship, you know, you could go off base uh-huh. and ship things that weren't canon. I got extremely into the West Wing when I was in high school. And my favorite ship was Josh and Sam, which is Bradley Whitford and Rob Lowe. Oh, sure. Um, I watched that nice they they had one episode where i was like oh my god they're clearly in love and then they never played that 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 color again on those characters but i never forgot Mm -hmm. in my heart they were in love for the rest of the series and then you know gosh there have just been so many that it's almost like you can you it's almost hard to there's some that are embarrassing that i don't want to tell you about and then there's others that are very (laughs) there's no shame in our game um (laughs) Well, there, for a little while in college, I became interested in the idea that all of U2's songs were secretly Bono singing to the edge, okay. telling him how much he was in love with them. <laughs> yeah. And Thank the edges. That. God, that's, yeah, that's a good edges reading. guitar solos were Edge telling Bono he loved him, but he didn't have the words for it because he not, he's not a verbal guy. He yeah. didn't play his feelings. Whereas Bono, you know, kind of annoying that he talks all the time. But he's he's able to only able to get it out through song lyrics. These are Irishmen we're talking about, Britta. This is how you can't directly communicate your feelings. It's not part of the deal. No. And what's beautiful about speaking to each other through song is 
every it's it's public everyone can see it but yeah. it has to be coded you know these coded messages i think right. this is the appeal of fans thinking that um taylor swift is gay and she's giving us coded messages in her songs about her queerness which i feel are becoming increasingly uncoded but but there's something really appealing about the idea that that you know the the person you love is like trying to speak to you is trying to communicate to you but there's someone like her team won't let her come out and so the only way that she can get it out is through these coded messages in the song and if you could just understand them if you could just parse them enough then then you and she would be on the same wavelength and she's like speaking directly to yeah. you oh my god what you're describing is both fandom and psychosis <laughs> Yes, but it, but it, in the most intoxicating way. <laughs> right, right. So you do buy the Taylor Swift is sending us messages. Well, look, I think anyone who hasn't bought it just needs to go over to the YouTube okay. um, and watch yourself a nice little 25 minute uh, video explainer. OK, um, of, of which for? there are many. OK. And then by the end of it, you'll be a believer. I mean, same thing with Harry Styles and Louis and One Direction. It's like those two weren't gay. And then you watch a compilation of all the gayest shit they've ever done. You're like, by the end of it, you're like, oh, you're clicking on more. You're like, they're definitely gay. They're definitely in love. And it's the world that won't let them be their true selves. Wow. Oh, I I see it and I support them. I love this. I'm ready to fall down those rabbit holes. Britta, tell us. about coming out in college. I know you said that you, as a younger person, that maybe uh, there were, you were exhibiting some signs that maybe it wasn't surprising to certain people, but uh, how, how did that oh, go? Exhibiting signs. I was, a, I was a walking billboard, but yeah, but people didn't, weren't, just weren't reading it. Um, including myself. I mean, I, I include myself in that statement. I came out in college, um, I came out to, you know, a few friends in high school, but in college is where I started dating. And that's when it, you really kind of, I started having to come out because I was dating. And that's where I met, um, Aya, who is now my wife. Uh, and so it was sort of like when I got into a serious relationship, that's when I was like, I should maybe tell my parents about this. Um, because they know Aya and they've met her and it's like starting to be time to like maybe tell them <laughs> that I'm gay. And it went fine. You know, they, they didn't kick me out of the house. Uh, they didn't, they, there was, there was no um, dramatic scene. In fact, it was incredibly undramatic. It was, you know, sort of a solemn head nod and a sort of, okay. Okay. Aya. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, and do you think it helped soften the blow that it was not just a it was not just this general idea there was a sort of a face and name to put to it because they already knew your girlfriend maybe i don't know should we should we get them on speakerphone and ask yeah, let's them do now? that let's uh, i'm glad you asked we've got them ready <laughs> oh, to go right. <laughs> yeah no i don't know i don't know i think that uh, the general idea of being gay is like one thing and then when you're like oh you're actually gay and you have a girlfriend oh and i know the girlfriend i think it might have been a lot to swallow for them right but swallow they um, did what <laughs> what year are we talking i'm trying to i'm trying i'm creating the soundtrack this would have been scene. like 2004. 2004. So, okay. yeah, you can create that soundtrack. It had Absolutely. a little bright eyes, a little oh. Maroon 5 in there. Early, oh. though. Early, uh, early Maroon little, 5. Uh, Obviously, Rilo that's Kylie. the only Maroon yeah. 5 that will do. Rilo, Kylie, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you did the that. that. What a perfect time. The college years. Oh, Love yeah. Love the soundtrack. What yeah, a perfect absolutely. time for music. Some yeah, yeah, yeahs. Oh, for sure. Yeah. On a, on a first Max. generation iPod. With a yeah. click wheel. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm going to make this mixtape right now and come out to my parents finally. So, yes. Uh, thank you, Britta, for helping us do that. So you marry your college sweetheart yes. and you decide to become parents right right before the pandemic, right? Or right, right yeah, as we had the started The adoption process takes a while. So we had started it before the pandemic and then... Um, we ended up matching with a birth mom about a week into the pandemic. And we were like, oh, this is great. He's he's not set to be born until May. All of this will blow over by then. <laughs> and then, it and then he was born in May. And um, yeah, I mean, it was it was it, it was 
the, in some ways a great time to bring home a newborn baby um, because I think it was the the one thing that like staved off the loneliness for me because I, as an extrovert, I, you know, I love a party and I love to meet new people and um, I love working in writer's rooms, which, which can get like rowdy and chaotic and you're going to work with the same 10 people every day. And, um, you know, isolation was really challenging for me, but having a baby at home, you know, every day was different. Every day was new. Oh, look what he can do now. Oh, now we can roll over. Oh, now he's crawling. Now he's walking. Um, it, it at least was something to focus on that wasn't like my dread or, you know, depression. And he's real cute. So that, that helps quite God, a bit. Can too. you imagine if he wasn't, Oof, this would be rough. Oh man. I feel so bad for kids who aren't adorable. <laughs> yeah. Um, how has your lockdown been? How, how strict have you been? You know, it's been, we've been pretty strict because we live with a, with a anti-vax kid, you know? Mm, yeah. He just refuses They're to get the vaccine like until he's of age, yeah. I guess. So that part's annoying. Um, so we're being kind of strict for him, but it's also like you got to weigh um, your physical health against your mental health and yeah. complete isolation is not really good for your mental health. So we're constantly kind of doing that math, but I am in a writer's room now that's on zoom. So at least I come to my little office every day and I look at my little boxes of people, people who most of whom I've never met in real life, but I feel extremely close to them because they're kind of my life raft getting me through the, this late stage pandemic that we're in. Uh, well, speaking of which, I know we have to let yeah, you go to work. to work. Um, so I, I'm so glad that we got to talk to you bright and early um everybody pick up a copy of like other girls everybody go to brittalundine.com to learn more about our gorgeous guest um and we'll uh we'll see you at the staples center for a spark oh game. yeah hell yeah. yeah we will let's get a box let's, let's do, do it. it let's do it let's get some nachos yeah let's, oh, let's watch some very tall very beautiful gay women play basketball absolutely God, am I ready? We'll be there. Thank you, Bretta. Thank you so much, Bretta. Homophilia is a World of Wonder production, produced and edited by Kate Moldenhauer. Special thanks to Randy Barbato, Fenton Bailey, Stephen Sims, Edward Bochniak, and the whole team at World of Wonder. We love you. And theme music by my Ben Wise. Yes, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HomophiliaPod. You can give us a five-star review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Mm. Thank you for listening. We love you. Mm.